podcast about Christmas and the birth of Jesus. And I heard this little voice from the back, Dad, is Jesus born every year at Christmas? I said, no, he was just born once a long time ago. And he asked, well, why do we celebrate his birth every year? And I replied, because it was such a significant event. Because it tells us that God has come to be with us. And because it is such a significant event, every year we spend a few weeks to prepare our hearts for Christmas. And this season is what we call Advent. The word Advent simply means coming or arrival. It's the season in the church calendar where we prepare our hearts for the coming, the arrival of Jesus Christ. Now this year for Advent, we are going to prepare a little bit differently to normal. We're not going to focus on the birth of Jesus or or, or the identity of Jesus or the work of Jesus. We're going to focus on the heart of Jesus. In fact, our sermon series for Advent this year is simply called The Heart of Christ. We're going to ask the question, who is Jesus really? What is he like? What flows out from him? What is his heart towards sinners and sufferers like us? Now, the reason for this series is very simple. Whatever we're going through in life, whatever we're facing in life, what we need most deeply is to know Christ, to know his heart for us and his heart towards us. And this is true in every season of life. This is true in every situation of life, but perhaps especially at the end of the year. I've had a few different conversations with people recently where many people have said to me, I can't believe it's the end of the year. I have got so much to do in the next month. I've got so much on, I've got so much to go to, I've got so much to prepare for, I don't know how I'm going to fit it all in. Other people have said to me, this year has been really hard. This has been a really difficult, draining year. And I didn't know if I was going to get through it or not. My point is that many of us are not coasting over the finish line of the year. Many of us are dragging ourselves towards the finish line. Many of us are weary, discouraged, or lost. And what we need most deeply is not better time management techniques or or, or more space in the calendar or a nice long holiday, though all those things are good and all those things are important. What we need most deeply is to know Christ better, to, to enter into the rest that he offers to us. And this is what this series is all about, the heart of Christ for sinners and sufferers. And what we'll be doing over the next four weeks is we'll be looking at different passages from the Bible which give us insight into the heart of Christ. We'll also be bouncing out of this book. It's called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. Maybe you've heard of it, maybe you've read it. It's a wonderful book. I would recommend it to you. And I love what Dane writes on the first page of this book. Here's what he says. 
says this book, and I would say this series, is written for the discouraged, the frustrated, the weary, the disenchanted, the cynical, the empty, those running on fumes, those whose Christian lives feel like constantly running up a descending escalator, those of us who find ourselves thinking, how could I mess up that bad again? It is for that increasing suspicion that God's patience with us is wearing thin. For those of us who know God loves us, but suspect we have deeply disappointed Him. Who have told others of the love of Christ, yet wonder if as for us, He harbors mild resentment. Who wonder if we have shipwrecked our lives beyond what can be repaired. It is written, in other words, for normal Christians. In short, it is for sinners and sufferers. How does Jesus feel about them? If any of that resonates with you, then the truths in this series are for you. And we're going to begin today with one of the most famous and most beautiful passages in all of the Bible. These are some of the most profound words ever spoken, ever written in human history. And I'm talking about Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. If you have your Bible with you, you can open up there to Matthew chapter 11. This is where we'll spend our time today. Now, the reason this passage is so profound is because it's the only place in all four of the Gospels where Jesus describes his own heart. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell us a lot about what Jesus said and did, about his message and his miracles, his teaching and his travels. But this is the only place in all four of the Gospels where we get an inside look into his heart, where Jesus describes for us his own heart. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Let me read those verses for us now. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow along on the screen. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. If you highlight in your Bible, those would be very good verses to highlight. If you don't highlight in your Bible, those would be good verses to highlight anyway. They're incredible verses with some incredible truths, and we're going to look at them under three headings. We see three main parts to this passage. Now, I didn't come up with this myself. I've seen uh, multiple people use this breakdown, but I think it's good and I think it's helpful. What we see is the invitation, the condition, and the promise. Let's look at those three things. Firstly, the invitation. Here's what Jesus says in verse 28. He says, come to me. This is his invitation. It's so simple, and yet it's so profound. Firstly, Jesus says, come. Now, this one word gives you an insight into God's heart, into his attitude towards sinners. Because Jesus doesn't say, stop, don't come any closer. He doesn't say, not you. 
He doesn't say not yet. He doesn't say go that way. He says come. Now I wonder if this is what you think about when you think about God. Open arms or a cold shoulder. A smile or a disappointed frown. An invite or a rebuke. Jesus says, come. But that's not all he says. He goes on, he says, come to me. He doesn't say come to this building, come to this set of rules, come to this way of living, come to my assistant. He says, come to me. This is an invitation into relationship with Jesus. But the question is, well, who is this Jesus? What is he like exactly? Because if you have a loved one that says, come to me, you'll probably go to them because you know them. If a stranger on the street says, come to me, you might be a little bit more reluctant because you don't know them. So who is this Jesus? Well, we didn't read it, but in the verse immediately before this passage, verse 27, Jesus tells us that he is none other than the Son of God. That he is the second person of the triune God, the eternally existent Son of God. All things were created by him. All things belong to him. He is the most glorious person in the universe. And you might be thinking, and you want me to come to him? You want me to approach him? What right do I have to come to him? I couldn't possibly do that. And I would agree with you if it was not for what Jesus says in verse 29. Because the great and glorious Jesus, the high and holy Jesus, he says, come to me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Now remember in the Bible, our heart is not just our emotions. Our heart is not just what we feel, our heart is who we are. It's the essence of who we are. It it drives what we do, it directs where we go, it defines who we are. And when Jesus describes his own heart, when he pulls back the curtain to let us see who he is at the very foundation of his being, he does not say, I am strong and powerful in heart. He does not say, I am strict and demanding in heart. He says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. This is who he is at his core. But what does it mean? Well, to be gentle means to be tender, to be understanding. Do you remember what we said in our Fruit of the Spirit series at the start of last year? Yes, of course you do. Gentleness is strength under control. It's to treat with care. This is why Dane Altland says Jesus is not trigger happy. He's not harsh or easily exasperated. He is the most understanding person in the universe. He's gentle. He's also lowly. Other translations use the word humble. The point is that Jesus is accessible. He's reachable. He's approachable. He's not way out in the distance where we can't reach him. He's down low where we can access him. Gentle and lowly, tender and approachable. This is the heart of Jesus. But is this how 
you think about Jesus? Is this what you imagine Jesus to be like? Maybe on your good days, you'd agree. When you've read your Bible in the morning, when you've spent time in prayer, when you've been patient with the kids, you can imagine Jesus with a warm smile for you. But what about on your bad days? When you haven't opened your Bible, when you haven't spent time in prayer, when you've yelled at the kids, or drunk too much, or looked at pornography, or lied, or cheated, or whatever else, how does Jesus feel about you then? What is Jesus' attitude towards you then? Does he turn away from you? Keep you at arm's length with his nose scrunched up and his face turned away? In other words, is he disgusted by you? Now, this is what we naturally think, isn't it? Here's the way Thomas Goodwin, he was, he was a Puritan author. He wrote in the 1600s. He actually wrote a book called The Heart of Christ. I'm reading it at the moment. Here's what he says. He says, we are apt to think, we are inclined to think that he, Christ, being so holy, is therefore of a severe and sour disposition against sinners and not able to bear them, disgusted by them. No, says Christ, I am meek. Gentleness is my nature. Goodwin is saying that the great and glorious Christ, the high and holy Christ, he does not cringe when he reaches out to sinners. He does not hold his nose or turn his back. His heart is for us and his heart is open to us, both on our good days and our bad days, because he is gentle and lowly. Now, I'm not saying, and Goodwin is not saying, that Jesus delights in sin, that he excuses sin, that he approves of sin. I'm saying, and Goodwin is saying, that Jesus rescues us from our sin. After all, this is why he came. This is who he is. This is what he does. He is a saviour. And so when you turn to Jesus with your sin, when you come to him with your mess, you don't find an outstretched hand. You don't find a, a back that's been turned. You find open arms and you find cleansing blood. Because he's gentle and lowly in heart. He's tender and approachable. And he says to us today, come. This is Jesus' invitation. But here's the question. Who can come? Who's invited? And this leads us to our second point, which is the condition. Here's what Jesus says, verse 28. He says, come to me. That's the invitation. Then he gives the condition. All who labor and are heavy laden. The heart of Christ is available to all. There is no one who cannot come to Jesus. But to access the riches of his heart, to receive the cleansing that flows from his heart, it requires a certain type of response to him. See, it's not just open slather for everyone, no matter what you think, no matter what you believe, no matter how you respond, there is a condition of entry. I think about it a little bit like the public library. Anyone can go to the public library, anyone can visit the library, anyone can browse the books. But if you want to borrow some books, you need to have a library card. Now, it's not going to cost you anything, it's free, but to access the resources, you need a library card. 
And it's the same for the heart of Christ. It's available to all. But to access the riches of his heart, there is a condition of entry. Now, what is that condition of entry? Here's what Jesus says. It's for all who labor and are heavy laden. Other translations put it, all who are weary and burdened. This is amazing. This is where Jesus sets the bar. The condition of entry is to come to the end of yourself. It's to be tired with yourself. It's to recognize your empty-handedness. It's to be honest about your brokenness, to be realistic about your burdens. It's to admit to God and to yourself, I don't have it all together. I don't have what it takes. I can't fix myself. I need help. I need rescue. This is why a few verses earlier, in verse 25, right before he offers this invitation, Jesus says that those who enter God's family, they're like little children. Look at what he says, verse 25. He says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. And so Jesus is contrasting these two different groups. There's the wise and understanding. Now, this normally sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? I mean, if you were to call me wise and understanding, I'd be stoked. But Jesus here is not being complimentary. Notice that it's the wise and the understanding who are actually blind. They don't see. The most important realities in the universe, the identity of Jesus, the reality of God's kingdom, they're hidden from them. Why? Because they're wise in their own eyes. They're leaning on their own understanding. They're trusting themselves. And so they miss out. But Jesus says there's another group, and he calls them little children. Now again, this doesn't sound like a good thing. If someone says you're acting like a little child, it's normally an insult. But Jesus here is being complimentary. Why? Because it's those who are like little children that actually see. They see Jesus for who he is. They trust Jesus with all they have. And they've entered the kingdom of God. Because they've come to the end of themselves. They realize that in and of themselves, they are helpless. They're just like little children. See, I have three little children. I love them to bits. They're very cute. But they are a mess. Literally, they eat, they make a mess. Sometimes I look at my son Jude and I'm like, did you actually eat anything or is it just all over you? I mean, they, they play, they make a mess. They just walk into a room and they've got this magical way of making a mess. But they're not just messy, they're also needy. They need help with just about everything. To eat, to drink, to get dressed, to get around, to clean themselves, to tidy up, to go to sleep, everything. And here's Jesus' point. These are the people that I've come for. These are the ones that I welcome. These are the ones that access the riches of my heart. It's not the wise and understanding. It's not the proud and the perfect and the put together. It's not the self-sufficient and the self-reliant and the self-made man or woman. It's those who are like little children. It's the messy, the helpless, the hurting it's those who are weary and burdened. And I wonder, does that describe you? Are you weary? Have you come to the end of yourself? Have you stopped trying to prove yourself? 
Are you exhausted from trying to prove yourself? From trying to get it together, hold it together, to be good enough, to be someone, to not be a failure? Are you weary? What about burdened? Does that describe you? Are you weighed down by the worries of this world? Have you been hurt by the sin of other people? Have you been scarred by grief and pain and suffering? Have you even been crushed by religion? Maybe it was an abusive church environment or or an abusive church leader. Or maybe it's this nagging feeling that God is disappointed in you, that you're failing as a Christian. Are you weary? Are you burdened? If that describes you, Jesus says to you today, come to me. He doesn't say, go over there and get it all together. He says, come to me. Bring it to me. You see, you don't have to unburden yourself before coming to Jesus. Your burden is what actually qualifies you to come. And if you belong to Jesus, you need to know that when you turn to him with your need, when you bring your burdens to him, he isn't tired of you. He isn't annoyed with you. He isn't rolling his eyes at you. It's actually the opposite. His heart goes out to you. His arms are open for you. Because he's tender and understanding. He's gentle and lowly in heart. And friends, you don't have to pay him anything. Because he's paid it all on the cross. Our sin has been paid for. Our guilt has been dealt with. And all that's left for us to do is to respond to his invitation. To come to him and to collapse into his arms. He's done everything necessary. He's removed every barrier. He is that good. And so he says to you today, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. And what does he give when we come to him? What's the the promise that he makes? It leads us to our third and final point. The invitation is come to me. The condition is all who are weary and burdened. And the promise is this, verses 28 to 29. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, rest sounds nice, doesn't it? As I said, I've got three little children, so rest is about the best thing that Jesus can offer. I mean, we all need rest, don't we? We can't function without it. But what kind of rest is Jesus offering to us? Because what he says in verse 29 doesn't sound very restful. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'd rather Jesus have said, take this mattress and have a nap. But he doesn't. He says, take my yoke upon you. Now, what's a yoke? A yoke is this heavy crossbar that was strapped onto the shoulders of oxen so that they could drag farming equipment through the field. It doesn't look very restful, does it? So what does Jesus mean? How can he promise rest if he's going to lay this burden on us? Well, here's what he says in verse 30. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying that to be yoked to him, 
to be joined to Him, to submit to Him, to learn from Him, to listen to Him, to follow Him, to serve Him, to be His disciple. It's not heavy, it's light. It's not a burden, it's actually a blessing. It won't weary you, it will do the opposite. It will lift you up and lead you to life. Now, how can Jesus say this? Because the fact is, life is difficult. Life is painful. Even when we're following Jesus. Sometimes because we're following Jesus. So what could Jesus possibly mean? Here's the answer at the end of verse 29. It says, if you come to me, you will find rest for your souls. Jesus doesn't promise us rest for our bodies. Rest from pain. Rest from difficulty. He promises rest for our souls. That no matter what we face, no matter what we're going through, that if we're yoked to Him, He can give us deep inner peace. Now, what is this deep inner rest? Where, where, where does it come from? It comes from knowing God's verdict over your life. In Christ, you are loved, you are forgiven, you are accepted. You don't have to prove yourself anymore. You don't have to persuade God to love you. You don't have to protect what you have. You don't have to try to control the future. You don't have to project an image. You can take off the costume. You can put down the props. You can stop performing. And you can rest in God's verdict. You can trust in God's care. It's like the, the classic movie, uh, Chariots of Fire. I heard a pastor named Adam Ramsey use this illustration. If you haven't seen it, the, the movie tells the story of two runners, Harold Abrahams and a Christian named Eric Liddell. They're, they're preparing for the Olympics in Paris in 1924. And there's a point in the movie where Harold Abrahams talks about why he runs. And here's what he says. He says, I will raise my eyes and look down that corridor, four feet wide, 100 meters long, with 10 lonely seconds to justify my whole existence. Later in the movie, Eric Liddell says this. He says, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Now, do you see the difference? Harold is running to prove himself, to be someone, to justify his existence. He's saying, if I can win this, then I will matter. Then I will have rest. Then I will have done something. Now, Eric is still running, but he's, he's different. He's running from a place of acceptance. He's running from a place of rest. He's already made it. He's already accepted by God. He's not running to prove himself. He's running to glorify the God who loves him. And so even when he's running, he's at rest. Whether he wins or loses, he's free. And this is real Christianity. It's not more pressure being added to your already pressurized life. It's actually the pressure being taken off you. It's the finished work of Jesus on your behalf. It's the gentle heart of Christ welcoming you home. And so what about you? What's stopping you from coming to Christ? Maybe you'd say that you are a Christian, but if you're honest, you haven't been coming to Christ. Maybe you've been coming to church, but not to Christ. 
maybe it's because you've felt like too much of a failure. Or, or maybe you've been drawn away by other things. Or maybe you're just drowning in the busyness of life. Today, Jesus says to you, come to me and I will give you rest. Maybe you're not a Christian because you've assumed that you're not good enough, that God wouldn't want you or accept you. Or maybe you're not willing to give up control. You're afraid of what you're going to lose. And Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest for your soul. Whatever your situation, whether you've been a Christian for a long time, a short time, or no time at all, Jesus says to all of us today, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What more could we want this Christmas? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this incredible invitation in your word to come to you. Thank you that you do not send us away. You do not ask us to prove ourselves. You simply invite us to come. To come to the end of ourselves so that we might put ourselves in your hands and in your care. Lord, maybe some of us, if we're honest, we've been running that race to prove ourselves, to persuade you to love us, to try to persuade you to take care of us, to be someone. And this morning, we want to stop running. We want to put ourselves in your hands and in your care, receive your love, and your verdict so that we might run not from that place of trying to prove ourselves but from that place of rest and acceptance. But wherever we are, however we've walked in here, help us to come to you, the only one that can give us true and lasting rest. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.